This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. It's important to discover our own backyard. And I think it's so great that the world is recognizing sustainable travel. I think a lot of people are trying to pick destinations that aren't overly populated with tourists. Northwest Territories is making huge strides in trying to drive up tourism so you can appreciate their beauties all year round. Things like um, the Northern Lights, things that people don't think to necessarily go see. And it's right in our backyard. That's Winston C. He's a TV host, journalist, producer, a fellow foodie who's passionate about travel and the creator and founder of Master Traveler, an online destination for travel news, guides, and some budget-friendly travel recommendations. Hello, Winston. Welcome and thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Mary. Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk a bit about you, your journey, and maybe what the driving force was behind your decision to become a journalist. Great, great. I mean, journalism is so exciting and, and it has so many different ways of, 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 you know, journalists have so many different ways of telling stories nowadays. Travel journalism, I've always had this interesting um, desire to see the world. And one of the things that really got me into travel journalism was just traveling on my own. So, um, you know, I was working at Breakfast Television for seven years. I was on a, a morning show. Um, and then you know, I worked on a variety of shows at City TV, including City Line. Um, so, of course, there were a lot of kind of crossovers with food. Uh, and on BT, we would often have uh, cooking segments. And as you know, kitchens, you, you get to know so much about people in the kitchen. So, um, you know, I always love sampling different cuisines. And um, I, I always joke about this because growing up, my uh, stepmom was not a very adventurous cook in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, we would have on our Sunday dinners, um, our meals would be very bland. So not a lot of seasoning, not a lot of, um, you know, flavor. And so I was the one that would always watch Food Network, and I would get all my cooking inspiration. I used to watch a lot of Rachel Ray, uh, a lot of Giada. And one of the things that I remembered, you know, I was on a mission to recreate um, was our Sunday pot roasts. Pot roasts were not very exciting in my household. Okay. And so <laughs> I learned how to get a good sear on the meat. I learned how to kind of put it in the oven and let it go nice and slow so that it wasn't that tough gritty, grizzly meat that I was used to eating growing up. So I would say that is one of the main things that I learned to kind of recreate first. And then eventually I kind of took on bigger challenges like Thanksgiving, Turkey, Christmas, trying to kind of elevate those a little bit more. And I would try all these different cuisines from all over the world. And as I got older and I was able to kind of start to travel the world and discover it was kind of the, that was really the catalyst of me getting out there into the world is to check out these cuisines that I had been cooking in the kitchen over so many years and really see the world on my own. So solo travel was kind of the, the one thing that launched me into this travel journalism world. And as I kind of decided to take on travel as one of my beats on a kind of freelance basis, um, you know, travel and food, you know, they're definitely two areas that you know, I, I definitely wanted to explore more on my own. Oh my gosh, your story's so much better than mine. Mine started with an easy bake <laughs> oven and a terrible cake. 
Well, that, I mean, easy bake ovens are great too. Um, I did not have one of those. It was not something that I wanted. For some reason, I wanted to be a grocery store checkout uh, <laughs> cashier. And so one year when I was about eight years old, I asked for a Pottery Barn uh, cash register that they made for kids. And it had a little conveyor belt on it. And I would get all these and I would have all these like plastic fruits and vegetables. And I would make all my friends come over and be my, my customers. And so I would check them out and they would take the fruits and vegetables and we would cook with our plastic toys. Okay, that's hilarious. You're not alone. I think every foodie has a story of playing grocery store. Right? I did the exact same thing. It's so great. Except I actually took foods right out of the fridge and I, my mother was not happy with me. <laughs> no, I would have gotten in trouble for that one too because food's expensive. What about some games? Yeah, for some games? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first game. We're going to do a travel this or that. The choice is yours. You can go with this or you can go with that. First one. City or nature? City. Airbnb or hotel? Airbnb, you always have to live like a local. Nice, I like that. Plane or train? Plane. I like to check out new places of the world. Art or history? I like art, but I like modern art. Mm, okay. Adventure or to relax? I'm definitely up for an adventure, but I like to build in some relaxation time at the end of the trip. Okay, so that's a bit of both on that one. It's a bit of both. Beach or mountains? Always mountains. Do you prefer to plan it or wing it? Always. I'm always the planner. But but let me let me add this caveat though. I'm a planner, but I don't plan till I get there. So what I do is I, I, I don't plan because I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. But once I get to the destination or I'm mid-flight, I will put together a list of what I want and I will have a rigid schedule that I follow for the entire trip. So I'm a quick planner. So I, I, I wing my plan. Oh, I kind of like that. Okay, backpack or suitcase? I'm not organized enough to do a backpack definitely suitcase and see I'm, I'm a diva so i need a suitcase yeah me too cruise or land definitely land but cruises can be great too they've come a long way okay tourist spots or hidden gems always hidden gems group or alone don't tell my partner but i like solo travel <laughs> <laughs> i love traveling on my own it's what got me started in this whole thing really that's yeah. fantastic see i'm more of a group Groups are fun too. I find groups slow me down. Yeah, or one other person. <laughs> yes, except when they do what I want to do. <laughs> Call me selfish. <laughs> now, I wanted to talk a little bit about Master Traveler. Well, Master Traveler was uh, is a website that I started uh, right after I had left breakfast television. So I knew that within that time that I wanted to have a platform to share some of my passion for traveling. So um, within the final six months before I had left uh, the network and the show, uh, I started back um, filling the website with lots of great travel content that I had been putting together. So things like travel guides, um, you know, so if you go to a place that could be quite foreign to you, like Hong Kong, uh, where I was born, um, I put together a comprehensive travel guide of, you know, restaurants to check out, um, places that aren't necessarily expensive, but have a great reputation, because I'm a true believer that it is completely possible to go on a trip 
and to spend very little money, but still be able to have a great taste of local. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those things, budget travel, you know, that's something that I've spent a lot of time focusing on is, is helping people who don't feel like they have the means or the capability of seeing the world because of this misconception that it has to be expensive um, and, and helping it become a little more accessible to people. So Master Traveler was built on the premise that we're helping people travel on a budget and have great tips and tricks to access um, you know, different ways of seeing the world, be it via air, via train, um, via bus, and how to be more efficient once you are there. I love the fact that you mentioned about trying local. So when, for example, when I was in Rome, there's one area where it's just saturated with tourists and restaurants and all that good stuff. But if you go, honestly, a block or two away from that, you can get some really authentic home cooking Italian meals in these little small mom and pop restaurants that are incredible, but a lot of people don't know of. But And all you'd have to do is just venture a block away. And so many people don't know that. I was just in, um, I was in Paris and a city that's notorious for being not the most, you know, mm -hmm. uh, inexpensive place. Yes. It, it, it's definitely a place you need a bit of a budget, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And, you know, I was walking down the, the Champs-Élysées, which is the big avenue with all of the luxury stores. So you have the Louis Vuitton, you have all the, 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 the different brands where you can buy fancy handbags and nice shoes and jewelry. And you see a lot of the restaurants that are on the main avenue. And I always walk by and I look inside and I look on the patio and I look at the menus and I just kind of shake my head. <laughs> Because you kind of, you think, why would you eat at these places? Because they're, first of all, going to be price gouging you. They're going to be very expensive. You're not getting a very authentic experience. It's definitely not made for locals. And the same situation as, as you, Mary, I think, you know, you can venture three or four blocks off of this main strip and you can find some fantastic local options and, and places that, you know, you could easily use. Um, that, that could easily use your business because there are so many great small businesses that aren't just these main strip um, joints, if you will, um, like the restaurants and, and, and such. So, you know, I really think it's important to do your research before you head to a destination. And that's another one thing that I, I like to do on Master Traveler. I like to put together these maps that show people once you're at a destination where you can go that isn't too far off, you know, main attractions. Mm -hmm. And, and you really get a great taste of local. I remembered we were doing some sightseeing and I found this great little restaurant that was a cafe. And after I had eaten at this place that I had read about, I found another great place that was definitely a little more hidden. And inside this kind of very unassuming cafe that barely had a sign on the window, they were making the best, um, it was like a chicken and rice dish that they make in in Asia, and it's super popular. But you would never expect this cafe to make it. And I read about it after the fact, so I never really got to eat there. But I had such regret because, you know, it's there are these little holes in the wall that you would never expect to find, and um, you know, it's it's helping people find them. And it's completely possible that you 
think you found a gem and you go and it's a dud. Yeah, yeah. But that's part of the beauty <laughs> of traveling. You you find places that are great. You find places that aren't great. And once you find the places that are great, you know, I like to to compile these lists into places that I can share with the world, be it through um, these different Google Maps that I have or or on Master Traveler or through my Instagram, through photos. Yeah. Um, and you start to build a community, which is so powerful. You know, you start to get this snowball effect of people who start throwing their recommendations of places to check out your way. And now, next thing you know, your entire weekend is filled with things to do and your whole trip is revolving around food. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Winston C., TV host, journalist, producer, and fellow foodie who's passionate about travel. The world right now, it's, it's coming together in a way that none of us could have really expected. I was thinking that maybe you and I could kind of do a little discussion on how to deal with travel plans during COVID-19. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think you bring up a really good point that... Um, we're we're seeing the world unite in some really powerful ways. You you look at just some of the videos that come out of you know Italy, of how people are on their balconies and they're singing. Um, you're really seeing a new sense of camaraderie in a time where we need it more than ever before, and we really need to stay in touch. Um, with their loved ones. And for some people, the reality of staying in touch is physically traveling. And and I know so many people who had travel plans um, to go visit family. And uh, in light of the developments of COVID-19, you know, we've seen strong recommendations, we've seen orders uh, for people to stay inside, stay at home, avoid all non-essential travel. And uh, it's definitely taken a hit on the travel industry. So um, in terms of canceling travel, because that is something that people are unfortunately going to have to do, um, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, I've been telling people is um, if it's something like your flight, most airlines have a policy in place that allow you to make a one-time change that won't cost you a single cent. So if you can make that responsible decision and defer that trip for a couple months down the road, maybe into the summer, because a lot of people have been asking about timelines as well. How long is this going to go? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Exactly. How long is this going to go? Um, You know, we're, we're looking at a lot of travel bans, if you will, Um, airlines grounding flights into April. I think a generous estimate of when things will start to get back to normal, probably well into the summer. So if you're looking at making that free one-time change, you know, mid to closer to the end of summer to when things are going to start to have some, you know, sense of, of normalcy again, Um, And and that's definitely a good place to start. Hotels also are making some exceptions that allow you to cancel your travel um, if you need to, especially if your plans were within affected areas, um, including Italy, including parts of Asia, so South Korea, China. um, You know, many of those areas are destinations for a lot of travelers and um, we are seeing, uh, you know, a lot of hotels, Airbnb, for example, where they're making some policy changes that give people the ability to cancel that plan. 
we just don't know what the future holds right now. And it's still very early stages in the game. And we're still seeing the spread of this. And, you know, with, with the talk of social distancing, helping flatten the curve in today's society, terms like those sound like buzzwords you see on social media because it's a hashtag, but it's a reality. This is what we need to do to play a part. And, you know, I think this is going to be ingrained in part of society for quite a while. So, um, um, you know, if you can exercise caution and push your travel down the road, especially if you want to have a really good vacation and not have to think about all of these things, um, you know, d- definitely something to consider for sure. What about if you've booked on your aeroplan or air miles? That is such a big one. Um, I was in that same situation. Um, we had a trip booked to uh, Germany on aeroplan and Germany, of course, within Europe that um, we're seeing massive shutdowns right now in Europe as they try to prevent the spread of, of COVID-19 as well. Uh, so so with, with respect to Aeroplan and Air Miles, uh, m- most are, so Aeroplan is owned by Air Canada. So uh, Air Canada extending that same policy that allows you to make the one-time change on your, your itinerary for a, a future travel date. Um, they have some options as well of giving you your money back for future credit. And the same extends to air miles. And in both cases, um, if you opt for that refund or credit, you can get your miles back into your account for future use. Right now, I know the times that we're in, but what were some of the top trending travel destinations? They probably still are, and hopefully they still will continue to be once things level off. Yeah. um, You know, one of the things, and I think it's so great that the world is recognizing this, um, is sustainable travel. And, um, you know, like you had said, the time isn't so great right now, but, you know, as as we enter April, April is is Earth Month, and um, you know I, I do some work with some very interesting brands and destinations, and more and more destinations are realizing how important it is to be mindful of um, environmental impact, so your your footprint. And I think a lot of people are trying to pick destinations that aren't overly populated with tourists. Um, We've seen situations in in Venice, for example, where there were a ton of tourists. And and unfortunately, with the cruise industry and with COVID-19, they're definitely going to see a big hit. But there was a time where there were way too many cruise ships entering Venice, and it was overpopulated with tourists. And despite, you know, tourism being a, a big part of their economy, Um, it was kind of oversaturating it. So this year, we were seeing a trend of sustainable travel where we can travel with, you know, the least, the the, the smallest footprint possible. So, you know, if we could take a shorter flight somewhere, so we're not polluting the planet as much, or if we can eat at restaurants that we know are properly sourcing their food from within 100 kilometers of their radius, for example, I was just doing some work with Florida, where um, that was a big theme of what they were doing down in Orlando. And um, we know Disney parks and um, Universal Orlando making big strides in terms of their impact. And then we're seeing places abroad, like Northwest Territories. A lot of us don't think that we can embrace traveling, but go up north uh, in, in a place that isn't overly populated, but would love a lot more tourism. Northwest Territories is making 
huge strides in trying to drive up tourism so you can appreciate their their beauties all year round. Things like um, the Northern Lights, things that people don't think to necessarily go see. And it's right in our backyard. Would you believe that the Northwest Territories is like a three-hour flight from Calgary? Mm-hmm. But the thing I'm, I'm hearing about Canadians traveling within Canada is everyone has the same response that it's just so expensive. It is expensive. Um, it's a reality that our landing fees, our airport fees aren't the cheapest, which is why airfare is so expensive to fly out west to Vancouver. To even go from Toronto to Halifax can cost you quite a bit of money. And for not, not a lot much more, you can actually go to London, go to Europe and and you know have a European weekend getaway. The one thing that I like to say is it's important to discover our own backyard and to support our economy. You can find some great ways to counter the cost of airfare once you're there. So things like finding budget places to eat, finding great local places that aren't price gouging you, because there really is a lot of great within our country. I was just out in Banff in, in Lake Louise, where that the very same reason that I've always thought it's so expensive to get there. Um, but it's one of those things you kind of have to see at some point, especially if you're Canadian. We have a lot of beautiful in this country. We really do. I mean, uh, a while ago, we shot a taste of the prairies in Edmonton. And right at the end of the trip, I had tacked on a day just to get over to see Banff. So we got into a car, we drove over my husband and I and we saw and I just got to see Banff because it was on my bucket list. And I thought, (laughs) when am I going to be back out here? So I always plan on trips where I can just see things. I don't know what's going to happen with my eye condition. I can lose my sight completely. So for me, what I plan is a big trip every year or a couple of smaller trips where I just go and experience different things, get that mental picture. So I'll always have that with me and just see as much of the world as I can see. And Banff is definitely one of them that you need to go and and just check out. I completely appreciate and love that mindset that, you know, life is short and, you know, um, whether, whether you're living with any sort of condition or not, you know, we need to seize these opportunities that we have. You know, the reality is we only have so much time away from work. And I do see a lot of people banking all these days so that they can do one really big trip a year. When I was at City TV, people thought, you know, you're going away again. You're always away. It's just kind of um, bookending your weekends. Mm-hmm. So if you can travel without going too, too far away, oh, I love that. you can take lots of time off and use two days instead of an entire week and do a long weekend somewhere. If you can bookend a long weekend, go away on a Thursday, come back on a Tuesday, you still have like a great amount of time to go somewhere, enjoy what it has to offer and come back and still have days left for future vacations. And that way you're not just doing one vacation a year. I I love that you talked about Banff and I also love that you mentioned Edmonton. Yeah. Because it's a place that doesn't get a lot of love. I think Edmonton is such a great place. I often go there for work. And one of the places that I really appreciate in West Edmonton, and I apologize, the name escapes my mind, it's a restaurant that cooks Indigenous fare. And I think more and more Canadians are realizing the importance of recognizing our Indigenous peoples here. So, um, you know, I love visiting this one restaurant in Edmonton. They make the best fare that really exposes people who don't necessarily have the exposure to Indigenous cuisine and to 
kind of show them that there's there's a lot of great food that's kind of made here um, using ingredients that are locally sourced. And I, I really, I just had to bring this up because, um, you know, it's one of my favorite places when I do go to Edmonton. I know some people that the only places they will travel to is Disneyland. <laughs> so what are some top spots to kind of rehabilitate Disney holics? Oh man. Uh, well, I mean, who doesn't love Disney, right? There's it's the ears. Everybody has, it's the ears. <laughs> I, it's so funny you mentioned that because I have a pair of Mickey ears sitting right next to me right now. I don't have them on. I don't have them on. But, um, you know, I was, I was talking to the Disney folks and let me say this. I, I think that Disney is such a great place, not only for the rides and for the magic and for the attraction. And, and whether you've gone to Disney as a, you know, child and you barely remember the memories or you went as a teen um, or if you were like me, because growing up, we didn't have a lot of money um, and uh, we didn't have the the funds to be able to go to a place like Walt Disney yeah, World. So same. the first time that I went to Walt Disney World was actually for work. I remember we had a partnership with uh, a major airline and we filled an entire airplane full of viewers and we did the show live from Epcot. Uh, at Walt Disney World. And I just remembered, and you know, we we had the best treatment from the Disney folks. Um, everybody from our, our guests that we flew down, our viewers, they were put up in beautiful rooms right on the resort. And we were in a great um, uh, lodge as well. And I just remember going for the first time as an adult and and discovering so much about Disney and really understanding why people are, are enthralled with the magic of Disney. Um, so, you know, whether you're, you're any of these people where you've kind of grown up with Disney or you're going to Disney for the first time, each time you go, there's something to learn. And, and as you know, there's, it's an ever evolving world. There's always something new at Disney, be it a new attraction. Like we know the Star Wars rides just came out. Um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Adventure, um, which is um, a really interesting ride that just launched um, at Walt Disney World. And unfortunately, they're presently closed uh, proactively because of COVID-19, but they will reopen at some point. Um, so, you know, once you get back down there, go go check it out. Um, there are so many great businesses in the area as well. So the one thing I would say for for the Disney fanatics out there, if if you love Disney and that's your one trip a year, or you know every five years you do a big trip down there, you know there there's always something new to find. Um, you know, for the adults, downtown Disney is a great place to you know grab a couple drinks and just enjoy being an adult at Disney. Um, there are many great themed days there. Um, there's lots of new attractions for the kids. Um, and then, of course, there are so many Disneylands and Disney properties around the world, whether you're in Paris and Japan and Hong Kong. Um, so, you know, there's the, for the Disney fanatics, there's a great way to build travel around Mickey Mouse. And do you have any foodie recommendations that you can share? So like takeout or delivery, because right now that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think this is a really basic um, recommendation, but I will say this because I think it's really important at this time of, of COVID-19. Um, a, a lot of us default to major chains when it comes to food delivery, and many Canadians will do that. And one of the really good things that Uber Eats is doing, and I actually did this yesterday, 
um, is that they're they're really focusing on empowering small businesses, and this is a really tough time because um, where where I am in the province of Ontario, there are, and, and many provinces across the country, especially um, uh, you know with with the times that we're in there, there are rules around how. Uh, limiting the the number of people in any establishment, the number of people gathered. And so this means restaurants and bars have to close down, um, which means a lot of small businesses are are not only going to struggle, we're going to see many small businesses close down. And that is devastating for the economy, of course. Um, and that's really difficult. So Uber Eats, um, because these restaurants are allowed to continue to operate under takeout and delivery um, models, um, Uber Eats is, um, you know, trying to help support the community by highlighting some great small restaurants and businesses that really need the business, and they're they're taking away some of the the delivery fees. Um, so, you know, I, I like to kind of look at the the local Thai restaurant that's open around the corner, the local Vietnamese restaurant, the Indian takeout spot, um, the, the the healthy juice places. Believe it or not, you can find some great. Um, like convenience stores and health food stores that you would never expect to deliver, but do. And I think these are some great ways, if they're open, to continue giving them business, even if you can't sit in and eat. And you're supporting your neighborhood. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been saying, buy a gift card from your local restaurants, because you know even though they can't operate, um, buying a gift card is a way to kind of give them money and then you can use it down the road. But one of the tips that I read was saying, don't assume that a restaurant wants your gift card sales because that might not be what they need. So if there are restaurants in your area that you love frequenting and you don't want to see them fold under the, these times, you know, pop in and ask them, what do you need? Are there any food apps that you're using right now? Oh, food apps. Okay, I now have to open my phone. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm just looking at my phone here. I actually don't have any food apps. I find social media is so great for food content. And I'm a hundred I'm like ninety-nine percent sure you'll agree with me when I say that Bon Appetit is my one of my absolute favorite brands out there. Yes. I love, 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 them. love, love them. Their Instagram channel, three and a half million followers. They're such a great example of how food is food and food is great, but you can tell such a great story with food. And I have taken such a likening to their YouTube channel. I watch so many of their YouTube channels. Um, Claire Saffitz loves recreating these nostalgic childhood favorite mm -hmm. foods. Um, it's called Gourmet Makes, and she'll remake all sorts of crazy things. She just had an episode recently where she made um, bagel bites. Uh, she's made all sorts of you know candy bars and things that you would just remember eating as a child and then you get older and you're just, I'm not going to touch that food anymore. And then she takes this food that we all remember loving so much and she makes a gourmet version of it. Um, I love the entire BA kitchen staff. Uh, so, so they're just such a great brand and they're one of my favorites on my phone. And admittedly, I should probably have their app on my phone but I, but I don't. Um, but you know, there are so many great food apps out there, especially for novices who want to learn how to cook. 
Um, you know, there's so many with great video uh, tutorials that allow you to kind of cook and learn as you go um, and little food hacks that you can kind of pick up on the way so that you become a little bit of a better home cook. This is the part where I always ask every single guest of mine to share one of their kitchen confessions with us. Do you have one? Oh, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I shared this story earlier about how the kitchen growing up was a place that if I wasn't in it, no one was in it. Growing up, my stepmom would always say, I would eat to live. I wouldn't live to eat. <laughs> And I knew that I wanted to be the other way around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I I would kind of, I would turn on like Food Network in the kitchen and I would constantly be watching cooking shows. And I was the strangest 12 year old <laughs> because I would sit in the living room and watch hours and hours and hours of cooking shows just so I can better my, um, better my cooking so that I could elevate the things that I ate growing up. Um, so that would be my childhood kitchen confession. A bonus kitchen confession would be being in the kitchen at breakfast television. We had so many fantastic guests, uh, chefs, um, you know, people who would go on cooking shows, and they would come through the kitchen and they would share their stories of how they became who they were. And it was such a great way to learn about people and how food kind of was a catalyst for them to do something that was even more. And I, I always appreciated when celebrity chefs would come in and they're promoting, you know, a, a great event that they're holding in partnership with sick kids, or, you know, they're hosting a charity event because they're trying to raise some money for their community um, to help combat homelessness. Those were some of the really most powerful kitchen conversations that I had um, were actually in the, the breakfast television kitchen. So um, I would kind of give that as my, my bonus kitchen, even though that's not my own kitchen. Well, if listeners want to reach out, they want more information from you, get in contact with you, follow you along, how can they find you? They can visit mastertraveler.com. Uh, that's master, T-R-A-V-E-L-L-R.com. I spelt it that way because I thought that was what the cool kids were doing. <laughs> And of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Winston, S-I-H. That's my last name. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I've had so much fun. Thanks so much for having me. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode.